Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss You Got Served, the sequel, a supply chain attack. Cat Got Your Websites, Microsoft seizes control of 100 websites, and how the Center for Advanced Defense is Putin Russia on the map. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number eight, recorded on April 1st, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, trip around the pun, LaBelle, with me co-host Emily, the comeback kid hacker, and last but not least, the original Colonel Panic, Tim Helming. (sighs) (laughs) The crew is back together, everyone. Finally, it's been, what, two weeks? The band back together. Welcome back. Feels good. Welcome back, comeback kid. Thanks for still panicking, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Always there to panic for us. (laughs) And Tim uh, mentioned before we started recording a very important asterisk. Um, Although you'll be hearing this on April 3rd and beyond, we're recording this on the most important holiday of the year, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Um, So any tomfoolery um, just has to be accepted by you, the listener. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. We do have to tell true security stories because we're not airing on April Fool's Day. If we were airing on April Fool's Day, we could just make up all this the stories. This would just be uh, like... They could, they could all be completely so false, wild. but sadly, <laughs> we can't do that. Although, to be fair, a lot of the truth and security could be stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction, <laughs> yes. Well said. But before we get into our main topics for today, um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Episode 3 yet, we'll give you a second to do so. Can I get some uh, some music for the folks? Do, 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 yeah. do, 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 Is this copyrighted? <laughs> so yeah. in this episode, we discussed how WinRAR hasn't improved since the Clinton administration. Um, but we have a quick update in the, the WinRAR world, if you will. To reference that, it still that hasn't podcast. gotten better. Is that it's what still the not better? Is? <laughs> We're in a different administration. Still better. Still not better. Um, so, Emily, I'm going to have you walk through the basically this recent WinRAR vulnerability and how it's been used in APT33 with a recent campaign. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So, since um, episode three, when we first brought up WinRAR, at the time it had not been exploited in the wild, as far as I can recall. But it has since then been exploited in the wild by quite a few uh, groups. Of note is, like you mentioned, APT33. Uh, so Symantec released a blog post last week uh, noting that APT33, which they call Elfin, um, who is an Iranian threat actor group most known for, for being, being associated with, with... They're like <laughs> elves. Little Hebrew elves. Associated with uh, Shamoon 2.0. Um, in February of 2019, so just two months ago now, they used the WinRAR vulnerability CVE 2018 20, 20, wow, 20250, let's just, let's just say it that way, <laughs> vulnerability uh, against a target in the chemical sector in Saudi Arabia. They had sent, via most likely spear phishing, a malicious .rar file to two users at that company, um, but the attack was unsuccessful uh, because the exploit was known at that point and had been Mm. patched by the security technologies that the company in question used. So unsuccessful, but of note that even, you know, these high-level groups, Shamoon and Shamoon 2.0 were no joke. So this is a high-level group. 
um, and they're even using this WinRAR vulnerability, um, even though it was not successful in this particular case. That just leads to the question of how many other times it's been used successfully since episode three when we first brought this up. So Right, right. Yeah, that's good to note that even when um, those vulnerabilities are released publicly, that it doesn't mean that it fixes the problem. You must patch. Mm -hmm. You must understand that those are released not only to those who are working to secure the Internet, but also working against that goal. So. Exactly. Yeah, and occasionally the vulnerabilities are going to be disclosed when there isn't a patch. That mm -hmm. happens sometimes, too. And then right. in that case, it's just take whatever mitigation steps you need to to detect um, something that might be susceptible to it and, and sort of be on the lookout for it. Absolutely. Great advice, Tim. Emily? Um, and so let's roll into our main topics for today. So the first one is um, in reference to an excellent film from the 2000s. You Got Served. Um, <laughs> there's actually no sequel. I did look it up because I was curious. I think that was a pretty successful franchise. Um, <laughs> but what we're referring to here is um, some Asus users fell victim to a supply chain attack via a backdoor update um, through a uh, server. Hence the You Got Served. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about here. And so a good place to start is to talk a little bit more about the type of attack, which was a supply chain attack, and how this supply chain attack was applied in this instance with ASIS. Yeah, this is one of the kinds of attacks that's the most um, worrisome in some ways because, uh, as the name implies, this is where an attacker is able to insert a compromise into the supply chain of uh, products being manufactured. So... Um, as soon as you get your shiny new computing piece of equipment, it could be compromised already. Um, the, uh, so that neat new computer you're using might already be running malware. Um, and that's what happened here. And uh, the application that was um, compromised was something called Asus Live Update Utility. Just as an aside, like when you get a new computer, if it's not an Apple you are entirely likely to have lots of additional, people put different words before the where part, <laughs> but uh, different wares on that computer. And things like the Asus Live Update Utility seem like the kinds of things that people sometimes wind up getting in trouble with. But what happened is the attackers um, were able to, uh, to create a trojanized version of that utility. They were able to sign it with the legitimate uh, certificates belonging to ASUS, so it didn't trigger any warnings from that standpoint. And then the application's own update system, aka the server that Kelsey was talking about, is how they were able to actually um, spread this malware to uh, these victim machines all over the place. As far as I know, uh, it's not clear whether this has been um, resolved yet. I suspect that it has, but it's out there in the wild. As of last week or so, um, Kaspersky said they were aware of uh, close to 60,000 users who had been affected by this. Um, so it's, uh, and they, they were thinking, they were assuming that was just a, a small fraction of who might have been affected by it overall in the world. So certainly a concern and, um, you know, the kind of thing that is a little bit harder to defend against because you're relying on the integrity of the systems that keep your um, your computer up to date. So um, this is one that we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on um, because just like with what um, 
Emily just talked about with the previous, uh, the WinRAR vulnerability, um, we will see how this gets exploited in the wild. We don't uh, really know other than, um, you know, an attacker can gain a foothold on the victim computer. It remains to be seen how it'll actually play out. Aces, Tim. Uh, I see what you uh, did uh, Sad trombone. <laughs> Sad trombone. We're about to build a full piece band here. Um, the algorithms? Are the we? Algorithms. The algorithms. Yes. When's the first gig? <laughs> right now. <laughs> I guess we should probably practice something. <laughs> That's so all part of the. Things. I'll just yeah. add to this, by the way, that the the attackers, in order to do this, they had to get into um, ASUS's signing and update infrastructure. So they had a pretty inside um, seat from which to operate here. And we don't know how that happened. So mm, clearly yeah. the folks at ASUS are looking into that and, and figure out where that happened. You know, quite possible it's going to turn out that it was because of a targeted spearfish attack or something like that. That's so often the initial vector for these things. But we don't know yet. Emily, do you have any thoughts on this particular article? I do. Um, it's, it is definitely interesting and somewhat, I suppose, frightening how many people may have been affected by the... Um, backdoored update itself. However, I do think it's a little important to note that the threat actor in this case had hard-coded their version of the update to only download the second stage malware if your MAC address matched one of about 600 that they had on a list. So for this initial compromise, only about 600 machines were targeted specifically. That doesn't mean you shouldn't care, even if you're not one of those 600, just because if you have this backdoor update on, you know, your machine, there's no telling what can be done in the future if you don't mm-hmm. fix it. But for this initial kind of compromise, it looks like they, the threat actor was very targeted. And now since they're MAC addresses, I, I don't think at this point we know who specifically they were targeting. Um, but 600 MAC addresses is pretty targeted. Yeah. Um, another thing that is interesting in reading the Kaspersky report is that they mentioned that it was Asus, or Asus, <laughs> and three other vendors that were affected. And my quick searching around this morning, I did not actually see what the other three vendors were. I don't see them listed anywhere, which mm. tells me that they might not have fixed it yet. Um, so there may be more yet to be unfolded, if you will, mm, for the so story. So we could have a follow-up story called Return of the Mac. Indeed. <laughs> In fact, we should. But... Yeah, and I just think it's um, interesting that Kaspersky has also tentatively linked this attack to um, the group that is most likely behind the Sea Cleaner supply chain incident of 2017, which many of us working in security will remember as a nightmare of a day. <laughs> so that was fun times when we all found out Sea Cleaner had that supply chain uh, snafu, and that one was also hard-coded for, if I recall, IP addresses. So that's um, if you work for certain companies. So it's very similar style. And I don't know outside of that how they've tied it to this group, Um, but I doubt they would have printed that in the report if they didn't have more than a... More than a feeling, as Boston More might than say. Wow, this is the episode of songs. We just it. can't stop. We are the algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that's very interesting information, and that's especially curious because I'm assuming MAC addresses themselves are a much more targeted list than IPs, right? That's my you thought as well. And, yeah. Like, yeah. I was surprised when I saw MAC addresses. Like, and, I don't know. Hmm. 
With all this in mind, uh, considering the current scale of this particular attack, how would you rate this, hoodie-wise? Depends on whether you have one of those 600 Mac addresses or not, right? <laughs> For those people, it's, uh, it's a much higher hoodie count than, than others. Right. Uh, I, would, I would say this is probably around a 5 or maybe a little higher, 5 or 6. Um, especially if, and I'm going to hedge this a little bit, but if it's not Ooh. known or locked down how the attackers got into that update infrastructure to begin with, like, um, is ASUS uh, sure that they have um, cleaned that out yet or not? I don't know. The stories that I saw about this did not comment on that. So uh, I'm going to go between five and six for now based on kind of some of those unknowns and the fact that they were able to get into the supply chain here. All right. One hoodie and one crop top hoodie it is. <laughs> what about you, Emily? <laughs> um I was also going to go with a, a five, given our current information level. It The amount of panic, I think, initially from a lot of the headlines would, would make one think it should be higher, because I saw a lot of headlines that were like, over a million users potentially impacted. Is that your headline voice? That's my headline voice. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that knowing that it's it's really targeted, like you like you said, Tim, I mean, if you're one of those targeted, targeted individuals, obviously the, the risk is much higher to you. But hoodie rating overall, I think knowing it's extremely targeted, brings this particular incident down. But supply chain attacks in, in general are something that I, I think they're always um, fun to talk about just because, and by fun I mean terrifying, be, just because it's like it's not the usual like spear phishing or whatever. It's like they had the, the certificates, they had all the right stuff, and it, it just is a, a little bit higher and a little more aggressive, I feel like, than a regular phishing attack that we see all the time. Right. Yeah, and so. it occurs before you even have the chance to apply all your good security hygiene. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as you open the box... You're done. You're done. <laughs> toast. You're toast. So, yeah. <laughs> Some crop top hoodies. We were just talking the other day. I think this was you, right? Weren't we talking about trench coat hoodies? Yes. Ooh, so like that, that, this yes. might actually be a trench coat With hoodie. Isn't this like speed? the uh, yeah. 20th anniversary of The Matrix? I think of his, <gasps> uh, his big old trench coat there. Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Emily, can you introduce us with your special headline voice to the next topic? Cat got your website? <laughs> <laughs> really you good. You did it. The laugh was very hot on the heels of the headline. So, but, it's amazing. You, know, you can fix that in post. Fix it in post. All right. Yes. Cat got your website. And a half. Oh, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Um, so this is a, another interesting interesting story from this week, which is that Microsoft seized control of nearly 100 websites, I believe it was 99, allegedly controlled by APT35, um, aka Charming Kitten, I believe. Um, so these malicious sites were identified by the Microsoft Digital Crimes Unit and the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center. So Emily, can you provide us with some background into APT35? What's their MO? What are these Charming Kittens about? Mm -hmm. They're quite charming. Um, <laughs> so... ABC35, also known as Charming Kitten, also known as Newscaster, also known as, also known as, it's just one of those groups. <laughs> they are a Iranian group that has been around for several years now. Um, I, I know some of the first activity from them that I can recall and that I remember seeing was uh, in 2014. They had a um, 
campaign where they created a bunch of fake social media, especially fake LinkedIn profiles, and they had like dozens of them. So they had like a couple of main ones that um, they used for the their attack, but they also had like a bunch of like less involved ones that they then used to bolster the main ones. And what and then they would use LinkedIn to send malicious resumes to the companies that they were targeting or the organizations. Mm. They've targeted governments. Um, they've targeted various organizations. And the reason that they were called newscasters, because a lot of their fake personas were um, pretending to be working in news outlets. Mm. So they were given the name newscaster. I'm not sure by whom. Since then, they have done a lot of spear phishing campaigns and other stuff. So um, the angle that Microsoft came at them from is that a lot of their spear phishing campaigns included fake Microsoft product sites, such as fake Outlook login pages and stuff along those lines. So Microsoft probably didn't wipe them off the map, if you will, but they they just wiped out their Microsoft-based campaigns. And like I, I mentioned, a lot of the, the original newscaster stuff was from several years ago. and um, But I've seen as recently as 2017, it looked like they were doing some Mac malware-based campaigns. So I don't believe that the 99 domains that Microsoft took down are the entirety of their arsenal. Right. So that's just something to keep in mind. But all that being said, it's still a huge chunk of ABT35's infrastructure. infrastructure. And um, 99 domains at one time is is really impressive. I, I was reading through Microsoft blog, Microsoft's blog post and um, they've done this before, but um, in the past they've taken down some ABC28 um, domains, but it, the way I read it, it's over the, over the course of 15 different takedowns, they've taken down 91 domains. So this time, wow. one takedown with 99 domains, it just kind of puts it in perspective as to the, the massive scale of this takedown and how impressive it really is. I'm just hearing 99 bad Me too. web domains. <laughs> that was the song playing in my head over and over again. And by the way, Kelsey, I would say, you know, you started off saying uh, it is not 100, it's 99. You know, somebody was rounding up. 99 100. does offer a lot of red balloon singing, though, so I appreciate does, that. Yeah. Many red balloons. <laughs> so I'm curious then, considering the action that was taken... Should we expect large organizations to be doing this more frequently? Or is this a one-off and Microsoft just has so many resources that they can throw at something like this? I would like to think this is like the wave of the future, if you will, as far as um, a legal, not hack back, but a legal approach to to stopping a threat actor. But I don't think this is something that is feasible for most organizations or most people. Because in this case, Microsoft was able to take down their websites because they're they're spoofing Microsoft. And I mean, I, I will not claim to have read the legal document cover to cover. I definitely skimmed it. So maybe there's more to it than that. But that was my understanding is that they were able to take it down because it was spoofing Microsoft. But like, you know, us, for example, if our security research team came across a bunch of infrastructure that we know is linked to a bad guy, we have no legal precedent to take it down. All we can do is hand it over, you know, to the feds or to whomever. Right. And we don't have any sort of legal f- footing to stand on in order to, to take this kind of action. So I don't think this is something that happens lightly, and I don't think it's going to be something that starts happening frequently. But, okay. you know, the fact that it did happen this once and it's happened in the past with 
Microsoft taking down, you know, those 91 APT28 domains, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a goodie. When there's a malicious um, domain that is spoofing the name of a legitimate organization, I mean, there's definitely a, you know, there is a mechanism for asking for it to be taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, usually that has to be done one at a time. It can yeah. be time-consuming. There's a, a certain level of kind of burden of proof that you have to be able to substantiate your claim against that domain. So, yeah, being able to do... Um, Almost 100 of them all at once Almost. is beyond the means of a lot of organizations. And I think a lot of times in phishing or malicious domains, like they might not be so overt as to include like a company name. That's right. And so if it's like login-help-secure-something-dot-whatever. <laughs> Just word there's stuff nothing, these domains. There's, yeah. exactly, there's nothing there right. that... A, comp- a normal company has the right to take down. So, I mean, yeah, in the rare cases, they actually do. Like if someone were spoofing domain tools and they right. used zero instead of a O or they spelled it slightly wrong, like then we would have the um, the legal backing to take that over. But yeah. in this case, it was like one step below that that we just don't normally right. have, I don't know, the ability to So much to visibility do. Yeah. into, yeah. So leading into the hoodie scores. I know this is a little funky because it's maybe a positive situation. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably negate the hoodie scores. We'll go negative, which we've done in the past. Um, so I guess let's say how, what was the positive impact in negative hoodies <laughs> of this ac- uh, this action taken by Microsoft? I would put this at a negative seven, I guess, six or seven, like okay. in, in that it was a positive out of negative 10, because I think, as I mentioned, this probably wasn't the full extent of their infrastructure. I don't know why that word keeps escaping me, but the full extent of their infrastructure. But 99 domains is uh, very important. I think this could be a good first, like, legal precedent, maybe for Microsoft being able to do this more, because, like, how many fake OWA or or O365 login pages do we come across literally every day? So if that is a precedent for them, I mean, that would be awesome. But I'm not going to bump it up slash down <laughs> to a negative 10 just because I feel like that would that's a little you know well, high well, in the sky let's, let's not be, be too positive yeah, yeah. high in the sky <laughs> high in the ground maybe negative 10 high in the ground <laughs> what about you Tim negative 10 would be like they fix WordPress once and for all <laughs> <laughs> it's permanently we just fixed. go home that day oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right infosec is fixed guys infosec is fixed <laughs> I think I'm I'm a little more pessimistic in that I, I would probably give it maybe more like negative five hoodies only because it's just a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's important. I, everything you said was right. I just, I feel this this crushing awareness of how much more badness there is no, out there. No, I know. I you think know, I was that, trying to like... It didn't just get taken, taken down, but it's it's definitely good. <laughs> so crushing, Tim. So crushing. We have Let's to move take on. what we can get, Tim. Yes. Hence the and 99 panic. domains take is the all we can 100. get. Take the nearly 100, yeah. That's right. we'll Almost 100. <laughs> we just got to spend one day being happy. One day? One day. Well, let's move on to a different topic. <laughs> Hopefully there's some happiness here. I don't think there is. There's not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so this one is how the Center for Advanced Defenses, Putin... Russia on the map. Um, definitely an ironic title here because the whole story, long story short, is it appears Russian military and intelligence ops are doubling down on using GPS spoofing as a way to protect sensitive locations and cause disruption. Uh, this all came from a report by the Center for Advanced Defense, 
which analyzed nearly 10,000 incidents of GPS spoofing in and around Russia in the past three years, um, which is a great report. It's linked to in the blog. Feel free to download it. Um, but first of all, wowza. So, okay, the attackers were able to use some kind of device. The researchers um, cited in this article uh, obtained a device that was able to do this. They don't know if it's the exact one that um, uh, operatives have used in the field in real life, but it certainly could have been. And basically what it does is it spoofs the signals from the GPS satellites so that the victim system, whether it's the GPS system of a ship or a land-based vehicle or an aircraft, whatever it is, thinks it's locked onto the satellites when it's actually locked onto the attacker's equipment. And so, by doing that, you can give them uh, an incorrect. You can give them incorrect inputs so that you get them to maneuver where they shouldn't maneuver, or so that they get incorrect data about the location of something else. So it's pretty serious. Um, it requires the uh, actor that's doing it to be close to the victim uh, relatively, so that they can get them to lock on. So what this isn't, to be clear. This isn't somebody hacking into the satellites themselves and telling the satellites to give false information. That would be a really bad day. That would be, be like totally 10 hoodies so or cool. more than 10 hoodies. <laughs> that would be extremely bad. This is bad enough, but it does require that the attacker be sort of near, near enough to the victims to actually get them to lock onto the false signals instead of the real ones. Hmm. Since all the boats have to pass through a certain, uh, like the strait or whatever, mm -hmm. like they're yeah. not going to be able to be out of range. So mm -hmm. it might not be the boats are going to be in range. They have to physically be in range. Right. Um, so it's really easy for this kind of attack to be carried out um, with ship. So uh, this is, I don't know if it was Holy because ship. of this exact um, scenario, but I, I remember reading not so long ago that there was uh, consideration of reintroducing a very old radio navigation system called Loran, which was decommissioned, I don't know, I, I want to say like 20 years ago or something, um, because it was not nearly as accurate as GPS. But it's a lot harder to uh, spoof in the same way uh, as GPS. So actually, Loran might have renewed life uh, in the world because of this, the risk of this kind of attack, or worse attacks that actually target the satellites themselves. So um, this is not about to go away. It doesn't have a quick, like, overall solution. So um, this is one of those ones that I think we're going to be we're going to be hearing more about, and you know, hopefully, doesn't get um, weaponized in too widespread a way in the near term. But um, definitely worth watching. The second thing I found really interesting is that the Center for Advanced Defense um, mentioned that they have been collaborating with. Uh, the University of Texas researchers there with a, a way to um, detect and geolocate the interference signals. Hmm. So, I mean, again, though, short of like like <laughs> laser shooting them out of the sky or something like that. Sharks with lasers? Oh. That's one way. But I want a shirt with short that. Short of that, like, um, I don't know that that was necessarily a way to stop it, but it's it's the first step in a way to combat this because, like, like Tim mentioned, like this isn't going away, and this is kind of hard to defend against, yeah. and it is. But this Center for Advanced uh, Defense and University of Texas collaboration was like the first step in at least identifying where the interference signals are coming from. So that the next step that I don't think has been developed yet would be to figure out how to block 
just the interference signals or stop them or in, you know, some other other way. Well, with all of that in mind, then, what would you rate this in a hoodie sense? I would put this one at, like, probably a seven or so. Um, its exploitation has been kind of limited in scope right now, but um, the fact that there isn't a real clear path toward um, resolving it makes it uh, concerning, and it could be um, probably exploited in much more obvious and damaging ways if, um, you know, if they choose to vey, meaning whoever has access to the, uh, the jamming or the spoofing technology and ill intent. Um, so, yeah, I'd put it at about a seven, um, and hopefully we hear about mitigations for it that would, that would make that a lower rating in the future. I'm going to have to go a little bit lower just because I think that this is one of those like those tactics that's so specific to a a certain group as a normal civilian or a normal person just walking down the streets of Seattle or whatever like this is not going to affect me. Anyways, I would put this closer to a 5 just because it's so specific. And like yeah, it's um there's no way to mitigate against it right now, but I think it is still kind of like mostly glaringly obvious when this is occurring and it's being used in war which is horrible but like it's it's not something that is to a degree that there's a there's a need for concern among the general public unless you are a boatist if you are the personal owner of Bodie McBoatface <laughs> you should be concerned excellent well Thank you both for your time today. Glad to see you both back in the studio. And Glad look forward to, be to here. the algorithms coming together next time. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.